Step by step, plans for redevelopment of the former Qualcomm Stadium site are coming together. This week, the first key document about San Diego State University West was released, its draft environmental impact report. This is a major milestone towards the pending transaction between the city and the university, and also the chance for the public to weigh in. The San Diego Union Tribune. I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Jennifer Van Grove, you cover growth and development for the Union Tribune. And the ongoing SDSU West project has reached its new stage. Why don't you explain what's this new report that we got this week? So the university published its draft environmental impact report, and it has to do this as part of the SDSU Mission Valley master plan process. And so the idea is um, they have to get a certified EIR approved or certified by the CSU Board of Trustees before that they, they can even start construction. Mm-hmm. And so the draft is, has been released. And actually, since they only started the process in January, it's been an extremely fast timeline. It's kind of unheard of for an EIR to be done in, I don't know, we're talking like seven months here. Um, and then, so now this this document, and it's actually not even just one document. We're talking thousands of pages of information uh, looking at what what the project is and what it means for um, the aesthetics of the area, the cultural resources, the transportation, the wildlife, um, what those impacts are um, as a result of this project, and then if there are impacts, how do you mitigate against them? Uh, and then, so it's environmental in like the broadest sense. Oh yes, absolutely. It's not just you know looking at the biological resources, which it is looking at those as well, but it's looking at every single detail of the project and how it could potentially impact this Mission Valley area, and not just the site, because the site that we're talking about is the SDCCU stadium site, mm-hmm. but but the implications are beyond that as far as traffic goes. So it's looking at those implications as well. Um, but, to, but to sum it all up, the draft EIR needs to go out for public comment for about 60 days, no, for 60 days. Um, and then the CSU Board of Trustees, which is the governing body here, they'll weigh in. They have to respond to all the written comments. And then um, there will be changes. And then there will be a final EIR. Then that should get certified. Um, and then if SDSU buys the land, which they don't own the land yet, mm-hmm. from the city owns that land, then they can start the project. Their ideal timeline, they would like to break ground February 1st, 2020. Mm-hmm. So they want this EIR certified January 2020. It's a very aggressive timeline, but they're kind of front-loading the process here. They're, they're doing a lot of the work now because they're in negotiations with the city to buy the land. And one thing that is confusing about SDSU West and the the votes that we had with the soccer seat proposal, which didn't go through, this doesn't automatically grant SDSU the ability to just build it immediately. Why don't you explain why that wasn't the case? So the Citizens Initiative that, that San Diego City voters passed gave the university the ability to negotiate with actually directed the city to negotiate the sale of this land to the university. There, I mean, there is more to it than that, but that is 
really all that's legally required, right? So now mm-hmm. that now the ball is kind of in the city's court, so to speak, they must do the negotiations. But the city, the only sign off that the city of San Diego has on this project is in the price, right? So uh-huh. that's why kind of this is the negotiations are taking a little while because this is really the only sign off we have. The mayor's office is leading that charge. They've assembled this um, negotiating team. They've hired an outside consultant. SDSU has their own negotiating team. But yeah, the initiative couldn't just give the land to SDSU. Mm-hmm. It's still owned by the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's talk about some of those environmental impacts. This uh, traffic issue extends beyond the area of the former Qualcomm Stadium site. When you give us a top-down view, which areas are going to be most affected? Well, of course, the area is right around this property, which butts up against um, the 15 Freeway and Friars Road. It's it's kind of county corner there. Um, of course, those areas are, are going to be extremely impacted, but it's pretty much every major roadway and freeway section um, in a, oh, I'm not sure what the radius is, but I know it extends. At least several miles, right? Yeah, it extends out to the 163, which if you know that area, that that's even mm-hmm. You know, that's not really right next to the stadium. But, um, you know, there's over a dozen uh, freeway intersections and roads that will be significantly impacted by this at all times. So not just during stadium events. That number, I think, climbs up to 17 freeway segments. And we're talking off ramps, on ramps and streets that that then become impacted if there's a stadium event. And a stadium event, we're talking, um, you know, the stadium is max capacity, 35,000 people, but they expect 19,000 new vehicle car trips for a max capacity stadium trip. That's just stadium, right? Yeah. Um, Everyday traffic, Monday through Friday traffic, we're talking 45,000 and I'm I'm rounding here because the number there's there's a very specific number, mm-hmm. but forty five thousand net new car trips per day Monday through Friday. It's supposed to be twenty six percent less on weekends. And when I say net new, that's an important distinguish or um, characteristic because it doesn't include another eight thousand in what's called pass by trips. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the area and you decide to stop at you know a retail component in the development, that's a pass-by trip. That's not a net new trip. And it also um, accounts for a 14% reduction. So the number would be 14% higher if SDSU wasn't also doing what's called transportation demand management. And they've come Mm -hmm. up with this program, um, which is essentially designed to uh, prioritize transit. So, you know, leveraging that trolley station, um, and really allowing for pedestrian bike traffic as part of the development. And so because of that, they've given the sums a 14% uh, reduction. So that's how we get to the 45,000 net new trips, which also doesn't include the with a stadium event, which we know you know, could be as much as 19,000 more new trips. So that number, when you talk about it, it makes sense. But is there a comparable place or... Uh, you know, area of the city that is kind of similar? Like, can you say that this new project would be equivalent to, like, you know, half of UTC or something <laughs> like that? Well, off the top of my head, no. But what I will say is Mission Valley is actually nearing the end of its community plan update process. And that mm-hmm. community plan update process has um, looked at all the possible development in Mission Valley. 
and it's considered the traffic implications for a major development of this size and scale in this area. So it is within the standard, I believe, that's set by the Mission Valley Community Plan update, which is going to go before City Council either this month or next month to get certified. They've done all the work. Um, now it just gets needs to get certified. So it's not outside of the realm of what planners have envisioned for this area. But it does, you know, for the everyday person who already lives in that area and knows that there is congestion anytime that there's a stadium event Mm -hmm. um, and traffic, you know, pretty severe traffic uh, just during during peak rush hours. It's problematic because many of the mitigation measures that SDSU has come up with, you know, like expanding roadways or changing circulation or. Um, fixing or replacing the signals for efficient signals, these are measures they cannot do on on their own. So they will commit a certain percentage of funding called their fair share, and that is outlined in this document. But those projects are subject to coordination with Caltrans. They're subject to coordination with the city of San Diego or SANDAG. So there's outside forces here that make those efforts, which would you know ease kind of the impact, um, there's outside forces that make those uh, infeasible, which is the terminology that's that's used in the document. So I think, you know, the immediate impact would be um, significant, mm-hmm. <laughs> significant and unavoidable are, are the words. There is no Sounds serious. <laughs> it is. It is. It is serious. But I want to say it's not unexpected. And certainly, you know, this was you know, voters didn't pass the Soccer City initiative. That was more car trips. We we don't have, you know, I don't think, you know, it's fair to go back and do a one-to-one comparison, but I think that was over 70,000 net new car trips, and mm-hmm. I don't remember their formula. But so this is less than that. Um, so there is that. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those things in which this is a process still ongoing. So what do you see as the biggest... Um, kind of points of controversy within the EIR that we'll start hearing from people when they start submitting comment and from advocacy groups and things like that. Well, what's interesting is that as part of the EIR process, um, the university had to do a notice of preparation, and that was back in January, and that was like, hey, we're about to initiate this process. And that notice of preparation goes out to all the agencies and community groups that might be impacted by the development. And they had an, they had the ability to comment during that period. And so I've read through all of those comments. And I think the big takeaways are obviously traffic. Traffic is certainly, mm-hmm. you know, people are concerned about that. There's definitely, you know, some ecological concerns, some concerns about, you know, wildlife, um, concerns about the river. So the the where the stadium is at and, and these, these things have been talked about in the past, but um, it exists in a, you know, like if a hundred year flood comes around, it's, it's uh, the effects would be, I don't know, catastrophic may not be the right word, but it's in a hundred year floodplain, right? Yeah. So, um, and there's been some work along those lines to kind of prevent um, flooding in that area, but we all know that it's it's difficult. And SDSU, um, their, their initial architect had come up with a design so that the river park would kind of absorb basically any runoff um, from, from a potential flood. So they've mm-hmm. kind of designed around that, but that is still a concern that's going to come up. Another big concern is the Kinder Morgan fuel tanks that are literally 
across Friars Road mm-hmm. from this project, and they are they would be the closest to the residential component. And so Kinder Morgan, when they responded to the notice of preparation, um, they said, "Please look at the implications of putting 4,600 residents, you know, within this range of our our fuel tanks." Mm-hmm. So, so there's things that are pretty. Um, I don't want to say they would necessarily slow the project down, but there there's some pretty big factors going on here. And then one thing that surprises me is, um, and I, it shouldn't surprise me actually, but people are really, you know, so the architectural um, historical community, um, they believe that that stadium is a historical resource. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know if it's technically documented as a historical resource yet, but it won an architecture award. Um, and an in it, uh, national architecture award at that, and so they point to this. I think it's AIA award as you know, suggesting that this is a stadium of architectural significance, and that should not be overlooked. It, that doesn't mean SDSU is not going to tear it down. In fact, their mitigation is that we will, you know, to to recognize its historical significance, we will do all this work and, you know, within the new site, we will have some sort of, like, not museum, but some sort of component where people... Some homage of some sort. Yeah, where some people can, you know, go look in pictures and, you know, read the story and, and that kind of stuff. So I don't know if that is going to come to a head at some point, but I was surprised. I did see a number of comments saying, why are you tearing down the stadium? It is, you know, historic because of its architecture or also what's the point of tearing down a stadium to build a new stadium and that, mm-hmm. that's a whole separate argument <laughs> and uh, from talking to stakeholders in this ongoing process how confident are both sides that this could actually break ground in that time frame that you said well the time frame um, I think the only side that I can get that sort of certainty from is SDSU because they're certainly not going to come off their time frame. They need that time frame. They need to break ground February 1, 2020, in order to be open for the football season um, in 2022. So they have a very aggressive timeline. So the city of San Diego um, has said publicly through um, Cybel Thompson um, that they believe that the timetable is on track. This was a couple months ago. However, at the same city council meeting, it became clear that there are people within the city, including the IBA, so the independent budget analyst, um, who believe that the, that the city should not agree either, you know, in preliminary form even, to purchase and sale terms until the EIR is certified. And the reason they feel that way is because the EIR is such an important document and those mitigation terms that the university comes up with, you know, they're held to those mitigation terms. And so until something's certified, you're not 100% sure you're going to get, you know, what's in that document. So, you know, the earliest that the the EIR could be certified is January 2020. So, you know, I guess there is this sense of, well, how do you get a certified EIR and then close on a transaction in the same month? That's kind of where there seems like there might be a little congestion, so to speak, in mm-hmm. the in the timeline. But I think, you know, SDSU, they're not going to say that they're not confident in the timeline. And the city as a, you know, negotiating partner can only say so much because they are 
you know, deep in negotiations, and there hasn't been any other public update since the one we got a couple months ago. So at this point, what happens now? So what happens now is, um, like I said earlier, we're in a 60-day public comment period. I believe that ends October 3rd. So if, you know, you as a member of public have something to say, that this is the time. Um, and then there's three public meetings where SDSU will um, uh, host those meetings. I think all three are on campus. Um, and the first one is September 12th at noon at their alumni center. And they will, you know, they will kind of go into some of the details and be available for for comment there as well. All right, Jennifer Van Grove, thank you so much. Thank you. In other business news, San Diego Gas and Electric has spent $1.5 billion since 2007 on measures to reduce wildfires. On Wednesday, they announced a host of added enhancements, including adding a second helicopter that could be used to douse blazes before they get out of hand. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Try out some of our other podcasts, too. Our Ideas in Opinion team hosts The Conversation, which features interviews with newsmakers and experts about San Diego news and issues. Our sports department hosts Hot Lava about all things Padres. To see all of our audio offerings, go to uniontrip.com slash podcasts. Until next time.